Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Coming up on this episode of White Wine Question Time. We want to just make sure that they feel happy. You know, when we go and visit safe houses, we're there to, like, cook dinner and play Uno, which we do, and um, listen to them sing or try and sing ourselves, which never works out that well. But <laughs> Augie is a two-and-a-half-year-old firecracker and just is, is listens to me, really. I don't know why. And then Ernie, you know, he just smiles the whole time. So they're really easy and wonderful boys. Did you know about the Bond moment, or were you as, as surprised as us? Nobody knew. It was amazing. We were all surprised. <laughs> Nobody knows that. That's a real big nugget. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a woman whose name you'll know, but the chances are you know very little about her and her work. She's the director at the London Contemporary Art Gallery, Hauser & Worth. She's a wife, a mother of two, a daughter, a sister and a campaigner. She's also 11th in line to the throne and is a princess. Her grandmother was the late queen. Her uncle is King Charles. Her birth made headlines around the world in March 1990, with Buckingham Palace announcing her arrival as the second daughter of Prince Andrew and the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson. Raised as a member of arguably the most famous family on the planet, hers was, she says, a very happy childhood, and she remains incredibly close with her parents and her elder sister, Beatrice. 
After graduating from Newcastle University, she went on to work in the art world and spent time working at an auction house in New York before returning to London, where she's worked at Hauser & Worth as a director for the last eight years. As a 20-year-old, while skiing in Verbier, she met the man she would go on to marry at Windsor Chapel in 2018, Jack Brooksbank. And together, they're the parents of two young boys, August, who's two, and Ernest, who's just five months old. As well as working full-time and having a busy family life, she also makes time to support her family's wider work as well as her own causes, which has seen us step up to the mic in the last year as a podcaster. Her brilliant series, Floodlight, which she presents alongside her best friend and colleague, Julia de Boinville, unflinchingly and intelligently tells the story of modern-day slavery and the many guises it takes as it swallows up 50 million people around the world. Based on those stats, more people are currently living as slaves than at any other time in history. It's a global epidemic, and for the last 10 years, she and Julia have been campaigning via their charity, the Anti-Slavery Collective, to shine a light on those who are helping to expose the kind of modern-day slavery that many of us are, well, frankly blind to. On their podcast, they interview lawmakers, a former prime minister, famous activists like Dame Emma Thompson, and most importantly, survivors. It's a fascinating and educating listen. And season two begins with an interview with the woman who introduced the Modern Slavery Act in 2015, former prime minister, Theresa May. So let's hear more, shall we? And dial her in. It's Her Royal Highness, Princess Eugenie. How are you? Hi, Kate. I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Um, this is so exciting. I love being on a podcast. It's not my own as well. <laughs> You're quite the dab hand. I mean, in at the deep end, the Prime Minister, a former Prime Minister, Theresa May, and there you are unflappingly kind of guiding her through an hour of pretty heavyweight conversation. Well, do you know what? She's actually one of the most generous people with her time and her thoughtfulness and her energy towards this subject. You know, she's a real, um, you know, fighting for, for anti-trafficking um, rights. And, you know, she, we, we got to her office and you have to, you have to go into parliament, like through where all the police are and the, you know, the bollards and lots of people. And then you get out and you have to walk under the tunnel, a tunnel of parliament, and then you walk up some stairs and into her office and, and, you know, you see all the names of all the MPs on the walls and you're like, oh gosh, here we are. And then you go in into this wonderful office which overlooks um, the square and and you have, you know, a wonderful cup of tea with a former prime minister who's really remarkable and what she's done for, you know, the putting really the Modern Slavery Act and making modern slavery sort of um, the, raising the awareness um, towards modern slavery in the UK and around the world is incredible. So I'm, I'm so excited that she's our, our first episode launching. It, in so many ways, because I know that you've had, you can tell with the shorthand that you have with one another that, you, you know, you've been in her company before and that she's been very supportive of the work that you and Julia are doing. Was it a bit like sitting with the headmistress after you'd left school and her saying, well, you've done so well? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, actually, she's, um, she's, ve- she's much more gentle than that, in a way. Like, she's actually just... Um, it's, she, it's so remarkable watching her work and her thought process and mm. her level of attention to detail. You know, she works with us on our charity as an as a advisory board member, and she's so dedicated i mean she never misses a call 
she's turns up in person for us when she's got things launching and speaking in parliament and like she's you know it is it's like being with a friend now she's really it's it's incredible you can really hear that i think you made um you've made a great job of humanizing her after having to be the prime minister for so long which really does involve you being you know on message the whole time it was a really engaging listen um about a subject that I mean, crikey, what a mountain you're trying to climb here. I don't think any of us can truly comprehend what modern day slavery looks like until they start to wrap their ears around the shows that you've made. And you start to shine a light on the fact that, you know, we all live streets, moments away from somebody that is living as a slave. Yeah. Um, and we, the many shapes and guises that takes. We we kind of, we, we always say... Um, I mean, we got a fact from from um, someone um, a long time ago who said, you know, you're you're a, you're within a mile of of someone enslaved. So where you live, you're in a, yeah. you're within a mile of where you where they live. And um, and I, I recently read a fact from the Water Free Foundation, which was um, one in every 150 people across the globe are enslaved, and that was such a sort of terrifying fact um, because there are 50 million slaves, you know, in the world today and. In the UK, that's about 14,000. Um, and, you know, I, I think with our podcast, like we, what we wanted to do is we wanted to show people that like it is in every sector of society, but there is things that people can do and there is hope. And like there are people that have been fighting against trafficking and form on slavery for, you know, so many years. And actually what we want to do is just sort of shine a light on that and, make people like make people have hope that they can do something too and they can you know affect change by putting their mindset and their voice and wrapping their ears around it as you say and just educating themselves and yeah. and 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 not and not, I mean that was what happened to us we didn't know about it and I didn't even know the term modern slavery I didn't really you know it wasn't part of my everyday thinking and now obviously it's something that we we really educate ourselves on and and we're we're constantly talking about because I don't think a lot of us know what what a modern day slavery looks like. So, for example, you highlight it could be your local nail bar. It could be your local car wash. It's not just the extreme cases that you might see on the news uh, or news night about sex trafficking or people trafficking. It comes in many different shapes and guises. And once you start to look for it, it's actually quite frightening how evident it is, isn't it? Yeah, and I think... That's something that also we, we didn't want people to feel frustrated or frightened or um, like, oh, gosh, we can't help this situation. Um, you know, trafficking comes in many different forms. So as you say, it's it's not just people trafficking, sex trafficking. It's also forced labor or domestic servitude. So that's sort of an example I'd give someone is, um, you know, someone who's withheld passports from someone for, yeah. um, you know, don't give your passport back or work 23 hours a day or not the correct living conditions or you know forced labor is unfair wages not being paid correctly you know that's a simple very simple form for most people to understand that you know it, if you're exploited as a vulnerable person you, and you're not paid correctly that is a form of trafficking I think that's something that that that, that goes so under so easily under the radar and so like easily for people to kind of you know, like, not see, like, nail bars, car washes, construction, things like that. 
I was I was once at a sorry I keep talking but I was once at a um, no that's the idea that's the idea I, think. <laughs> I was once at a, 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 a women's um, like speaking engagement and um and a, it was amazing this woman she got up and she goes I, I was explaining about forced labour and domestic servitude and she said oh so I I um have a cleaning company and the the cleaners come with a man and he he brings them to my house this is in Kensington. And um, and he drops the cleaners off, and I don't speak to them. They they don't speak English. I speak to the man. I give the man the money, and then the cleaners leave. And she said, "But that that sounds like you know, I thought the man was their friend, or I thought the man was their employer. You know, that sounds like a form of trafficking." And I don't know actually what happened to that particular woman in that story, but I was very brave of her to stand up. But when when you're in a situation like that where there is someone sort of controlling a, a group of people. And you see it firsthand, then it's it's definitely there's definitely a form of slavery involved in that when you know people don't speak English or you know if someone's controlling them. Um, yeah, so it was kind of it was it was it was really eye opening for me to hear that example. You know, so it's yeah. it's always about opening your eyes, answering the ask the question. You know, put yourself out there. Yeah. So how did how did you come to this as a cause? Because it's something you've been working on. I mean, this is not this is nothing new for you. This is ten years in, and you are really educated on it. I mean, when you listen to the podcast, there is no flies on you or Julia. You are all across your stats. You are sitting with lawmakers, people who um, work in government at, at the level of somebody like a former prime minister. Um, you really hold your own, and you are so beautifully equipped to hold those conversations. And I commend you both. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, Jules and I, um, we, my mum actually highlighted this to us. We went to um, Calcutta with my mum my, um, and Jules was working for her on her charity stuff at the time. And we went to visit Aloka Mitra, who is this incredible woman who set up the Women's Interlink Foundation in Calcutta. And she rescued um, trafficked girls and women from the street and she put them in a home and she taught them um, how to print on fabrics, how to make dresses and bags and scarves and clothes and things. And um, the, all those products that these girls and women meant, uh, made, sorry, they, um, we sold them in shops like Topshop and Urban Outfitters and we partnered. And every bit of money that that was made went back to the girl and then the girl didn't have to turn to, you know, a, a terrible situation like you would be if you were vulnerable to trafficking. So it, it really, we had opened our eyes to the term trafficking. And then we got back to the UK and we were like, oh, we need to, we need to learn. We need to become investigators. We need to just like, like educate, educate, educate ourselves because you know, you don't, you never want to be, you know, the person who doesn't understand quite what's going on and, and you're trying to fight for something. So we, we went and spoke with anyone we could possibly speak to we went to safe houses, we visited charities, we just searched around for what what really we were looking into. And we realized it was modern slavery and it's within a mile of where you live. And there are safe houses across the UK already for many, many years who have been looking after um, survivors of trafficking. And um, we went to a safe house, you know, next to Heathrow, um, and walked in and there were a bunch of wonderful women and one woman, um, one girl called Seema, who um, literally came up to us and was like, 
you know, I, I was trafficked by my next door neighbor in Manchester to a gang. And I was just like, what? How do you get trafficked? How is it possible that trafficking exists in the UK and that it exists by your next door neighbor? I don't really understand, you know. And, and she explained to me that this man, her next door neighbor, had groomed her and used her to, to with this gang and, and that she was vulnerable and therefore couldn't ever get out of that circle. And eventually she managed to get hold of the Salvation Army, who are incredible organization fighting on slavery. And um, they got her out of, the, of her home and they put her in a safe house. And she now wants to, well, she is now fighting for, you know, against modern slavery. And she's also a social worker and she's, a, she's an absolute fighter. But what it caused in Jules and I was this kind of like, like you know how you 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 drive you drive and you're like oh I'm complaining about the traffic or oh gosh it's cold or oh no you know I don't know I didn't buy any chicken for dinner tonight or something I'm, and 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 all these like worries and sort of nothing complaint nothing complaints in your head I mean are nothing compared to what you're you're standing in front of a woman who's just been trafficked and now she's standing there saying oh, I'm going to go and fight this with you let's do it together you're just like what was I talking about? How incredible are you? And and from that, we, we started a collective. And, you know, it's all about, um, we, we, we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to highlight the work that other people are doing. Our partners are incredibly important to us. You know, the Salvation Army and some of these organizations that we've been working with, like we want people to hear about them and and to they're the ones on the front line doing this work and making it possible for survivors to lead better lives. And, you know, that's that. And, and the reason, you know, we might sound all swish on, on a, on a, a podcast is because um, we surround ourselves with some of the greatest experts in the field. You know, one of our trustees is Caroline hockey. Who's her, all she does is prosecute traffickers. And so with her guidance, you know, former former Prime Minister Theresa May, um, all Kevin Bales, who's a professor of modern slavery, who started the Rights Lab at Nottingham University. I mean, all these people have been working to fight this terrible, terrible scrounge for, um, you know, 30, 40 years. And they're all um, willing and, and happy to guide us where they can on you know we're definitely not experts we we want to just um you know we want to we want to shine a light on amazing work it's remarkable listening in on those moments because you can hear how much um respect that you accord these people but more than that you can hear how you've both got your notes in order and you are across everything um because you you raise your game in line with them and and it it really shows in the in the episodes that I've listened to, especially the ones where you're talking to survivors, people that have lived the most extraordinarily difficult of lives. And it's really important to tell the story in all its difficult detail because that's how you land it. That's how you in, inflame a conversation to make people want to, to get behind your movement and affect change, right? But you do that really well. What's it like after all these years to suddenly become a storyteller rather than the story itself? Oh, gosh. I, do you know what? Um, I love talking to you right now. Like, this is really easy for me because, because you're doing all the work, you know? 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, as you say, like when you're across your notes and you're looking at it and stuff, like it, when Jules and I are doing it, you can see us. We, um, we'll be on WhatsApp constantly just going, you'll go, my go, you'll go, my go. Because at the beginning, we would be talking over each other because we're both so keen and eager and like want to know everything and want to get into it. Yeah. We'd both be going, blah, 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 blah. And then Charlie or someone from Stack would say, you know, rain it back in, girls, or um, the sound didn't sound quite right. So we, we definitely practiced, we definitely, you know, learned the hard way. But um, we, we um, pe- the people who work at the Anti-Savory Collective are incredible and we have notes coming out of our ears just to make sure that we're okay. But it's so nice to be interviewed um, and not have to look at my notes, but to yeah. be the interviewer, <laughs> I... It's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot. And you, as you say, you really want to land it correctly. And mm. especially with um, talking with survivors, you know, you have to you know that I, I never want you never want to re-traumatize people um no. they've already had to speak a lot about this you know to be in their position means they would have had to talk to the police or tell their story or go through rigorous um you know details about what happened to them so you know whenever you're working with survivors it's it's I, I, me and Jules look at it as like we just wait for them to come to us really you know we 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 never want to know. We don't need to know the story. We want to just make sure that they feel happy. You know, when we go and visit safe houses, we're there to like cook dinner and play Uno, which we do, and um, listen to them sing or try and sing ourselves, which just never works out that well. But it, it's <laughs> it's never, we're never there to sort of say, no, you need to tell me. Um, we're always there just as like a well done you you know what these people are going through most of the time is like they're probably in court fighting against their traffickers or Mm. they're trying to get a job or they're trying to go through school or you know they don't need you know me and Jules coming in saying hey come on tell us more all they need actually is someone just to play Uno with really um and you know I think there's a a whole nother part to the trafficking and this, this, what we're talking about now, which is, it's such, it's, you know, we always say, you know, drugs can be trafficked once, but humans can be trafficked all again and again and again. And I think, you know, when you meet these incredible people that have survived it, they actually, even if they don't know that whatever the backstory is about these two people coming in, they, they just want, they just, they're kind of happy to talk um, and to play a game and to laugh and to sit outside. I mean, we once went to visit a safe house and we we just played with one of the kids, one of the people, survivors' children, and we were all having a laugh and that was really it. It was just someone to listen to, really. Um, yeah, I think they're incredibly dignified and full of courage. Um, and the way you help to learn their stories really, really um, supports that. That's the thing. I totally agree, Kate. I mean, they they need that helping hand, really. Um, and actually, they they every every survivor we've met is is truly sensational. Like they they what they've gone through, and then to overcome it and to still sort of stand up is incredible. So, if people want to understand more um, around the detail of, of of how this happens and who it happens to. Um, I really would encourage you to go and just hit the follow button on the Floodlight podcast. Um, you very um, modestly not put your name in the title. So don't search for Her Royal Highness Princess Eugenie. Just search for Floodlight and you'll find it and it will blow your mind. 
and um, you're listening to two women really working very hard to right some incredible wrongs. Oh, thank you, Kate. Well, I, I, just, I have a funny story about the first time we came up with the name because um, I was like Charlie, I think Charlie or Luke, one of these guys from Stack, like, oh, we could call it this, we could call it that. And I said, um, I like being a, a foghorn for, you know, the people, um, you know, who, 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 who need it the most. And they were like, foghorn. I was like, yeah, you know, foghorn, you know, in the, on the boats. <laughs> they were like, that is the worst name for a podcast. You cannot call it that. <laughs> Imagine people searching for foghorn, just so unchic. So eventually they came up with floodlight, thank God. Um, <laughs> just goes, goes to show that it's good that you're open to feedback. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, foghorn, kind of a derisory term for a woman that likes to kind of shout a lot. Yeah, exactly. So everyone search floodlight, not the other one. Ignore that. Not foghorn. Yeah. <laughs> How are you managing to fit all of this in with a full-time job, two very small children and living between two countries? Because you have been living part-time in Portugal as part of your husband's work. I mean, as plates go, yours seems pretty full. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I actually don't know how I'm doing it. I think <laughs> I, asked, I asked my friend that the other day who she has four kids and they all get into bed with her at night and they all want to touch her at, at one point in the night. I said, how do you do it? And she goes, I'm so tired that if I stop, like I'll crash. So I just stay <laughs> tired the whole time. So um, how do I do it? I don't know. I think I have, I have, my kids are so wonderful. I mean, Augie is a two and a half year old firecracker and just is, is listens to me really. I don't know why. And then Ernie, you know, he's just smiles the whole time. So they're really easy and wonderful boys. Um, and then, you know, I, I, my job, I have a, I have a, a really fantastic job and, and I'm grateful enough now to have some time on maternity leave and I'll go back and try and fix, fix it all and do everything all at once. But right now I have, I have the ability to talk to you at three o'clock on a Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. I was thinking, how is she doing this? You're not back at, you're not back at work yet. You're still on maternity leave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you finding like the night feeds, the sleepless nights, the two kids? Because I think it's really hard to understand how your heart could have capacity to love any more when you've got one, right? And then then another comes along, you're like, wow, where's all this love going to come from? But it, it just does, right? Yeah, it does. And I so I kind of look at it as like, I am one whole person. And then I gave half of myself to my first son and I've given the other half to my other son. And so... <laughs> There's, there's not very, like I, I, I've given, I've, I've given it all to them. Um, <laughs> and, um, sleep is, is, is like, I think I was born, it, honestly, if, if there was a tournament in the Olympics of sleeping, I think I would win it. I can sleep for Great Britain as a national sport. Um, and so I think my boys have, have, have gained that talent. And so they are deep deep sleepers and have never really um wow yeah they're they're I hate to say that to all mums listening but they're really really good sleepers <laughs> that's like that's listen that's half the battle because yeah. otherwise you're just walking through life jet lagged yeah aren't you with that sleep 100%. deprivation but then there are other things that don't go well like feeding times are you know tearing my hair out type moments but but sleep is not a problem just at the moment but there's always sleep regression and you know Things like that yeah. coming. 
Listen, I sit here today. Uh, we 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 dialed in at mid- three o'clock at two thirty. I was saying to my son, who's on half term. What do you mean you want to have a shower now? You've only just got up. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it goes. <laughs> Great. Have you got two boys? One boy. I've just got the one. He's 15. That's but right. a minute ago, I was struggling with night feeds, and it just goes so quickly. And it's almost like you grieve it now. I look back, and I think, wow, oh, to hold a toddler's hand again. <laughs> it is. I know, I know what you mean. Actually, this morning, I was playing with Ernie and... Um, I was just looking at him chatting with you know his big gummy smile because he's so little and he's so sweet and I've forgotten what it was like to have a baby and now yeah. I'm with him I'm like oh you're so easy just kind of flop along with me and I put him down in his playpen if I'm making something for him or and, you know, and they just they just float around with you and I was like oh, so nice <laughs> being with little people because I've had yeah. a meanwhile all these like bouncing off the walls climbing everything the, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're going to keep you fit, if nothing else. Your your step count will always be in an abundance. Mm. So in order to um, make this episode, I've tried to put together three, I hope, thought-provoking questions for you. Because you are in that extraordinary position where everybody knows your name, but I don't think we know an enormous amount about you. So um, with your permission, can we dive into question number one? Yeah. I can't remember what they are now, so this is good. I wanted to talk to you about incredible women because you come from a line of extraordinary women who stretch back all the way across our history books, be it your own mother, Sarah Ferguson, your grandmother, the late Queen Elizabeth, your great-grandmother, the Queen Mother, uh, Queen Victoria, whose name you share, your sister. I mean, I could go on. So I wondered if you could share with me what you've learned from the women uh, around you, uh, the, the line from which you are from, and also the other women that have crossed your path and have maybe informed and shaped you. Uh, into the woman that you are today? Oh, oh, um, gosh. Big one. That is a big one. Um, I know. My, my, wow. So my mum, my mum, you know, she really grounded in, in me, um, this, this sense of giving back. Um, and is it comes quite natural to want to do that because of watching her growing up. You know, she, She's founded a charity herself and built schools and went around the world and and we shared her with all the children we could think of that she needed to help and so you know we, I very much grounded a lot of a lot of my you know giving back um, into into what she did um, and so she really you know her her example is is definitely something I live by. Um, you know, and then the same goes really for my my grandmother. You know, she, gosh, she was so. She was just, she was just one of the best people in the world, <laughs> and, you know, she. I think a lot of the world agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, her sense of duty and her dedication and her love of 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 her people and, you know, it, it really it, it happened in public like you all saw and it happened in private with us and you know she we we learned we learned how to do things from her as well you know and all the you know how to talk to people how to um how to you know stay strong and dutiful and um kind you know she she really instilled in us a huge amount and gosh I'm lucky to to have a bit of her you know I I I, when when she died I 
I said that to people. I said, you know, God, I'm how lucky am I to have part of her in me, you know? Oh. Um, and then my sister, you know, she's, she's, she is incredible. So she just did a podcast um, all about, she's got dyslexia and she's got, uh, she worked so hard her whole life and, and yet she's got dyslexia and it is, she's just come out saying how that made her the person she is today. And I totally see that now, you know, with a lot of how we interacted and how she had schooling and everything. And she's now using that in, in all, in everything she does in life. And that's just so cool that, you know, she's speaking out for that and, and saying that, you know, it's just a different way of thinking and different way of understanding the world. Um, and so, and, you know, she's a great mom and I always ring her. I ring her for nearly everything. Um, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Same goes for my mum. Literally constant. So I think... You've got a little WhatsApp group. Yeah, big time. Um, <laughs> but the same goes for my, my girlfriends as well. Like we're, we've got a chicks group, we call it, and we constantly texting each other. And I think, I think you know, women supporting women is like the coolest thing in the world. Um, and yeah, I just... I, I Gosh, I think... In terms of in terms of who's sort of touched my life is definitely um, sorry I can hear my kid running around outside. Hang on one sec. <laughs> That's all right. Also, with with your sister, you posted on your Instagram um, a moment of great pride for you. It was her speaking at a tech conference, and I don't think people uh, maybe people don't understand what it is that she does for a living, but she is um, pretty high flying woman in tech, and to stand up and and speak to a room as she did at a podium I know everyone thinks that well that's what we do in that family you know it's not that you know if you have dyslexia public speaking is pretty daunting and um, she stood up and delivered an incredible speech and you were so full of praise for her you can you can tell you've really got each other's backs it's, this is you know this is a great double act oh, yeah I, I mean I think I, I read a, I read a quote the other day which could be a bit sad but it said it was on Time magazine, and it said, um, "Your your children arrive too late, and your parents leave too soon. Um, so your siblings are really the only people that you've got everything, you know, surrounding yourself um, with." And I think Beatrice and I, like our whole lives, we've realised that we've we've always had each other. You know, we're we're the only ones that are going through exactly what the other ones going mm. through exactly that time as a girl, you know, in our family or in our, in our place of work or whatever it is, like it is happening to both of us. I think that's kind of extraordinary to think about. Like we're not twins and I'm sure, I don't know if you have siblings, but you know, you're not twins, but yet you, you, you go through life knowing exactly what the other one's going through. Mm. Um, and Beatrice, you know, she's my big sissy. She's a legend. She's, annoying when she wants to be and I'm really annoying to her back but we are <laughs> you know we are we, we we've yeah we're, we're, we love each other best of friends I think that was evident even from when you were teeny tiny I, I'm sure you have no recollection of this but I the first time I met you both was with your mum backstage at the X Factor and you were <gasps> guests of the Osbournes oh my god that's hilarious you had the best manners ever did we like wow <laughs> They're so polite. And there's Sharon shouting at her children, effing and blind, and goes, see, you need to be more like that. <laughs> oh, my God. So that is so funny because my mum, she used to, if I was ever, you know, in a, in a 
public situation or if I had to talk to like the 98 year old granny and I was like four years old, she would turn to me and she goes, I'll give you 17 bags of sweets. <laughs> and then I would go over and raised I, I would, on sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would go over and I'd say hi, or I'd be polite or I'd take a photo or whatever. And, um, and, and I, I think mum still owes me like 150 bags of sweets because they're never actually, you know, never actually went out that way, but it was a good bargaining chip on how to get me. But I think, yeah, man is, man is man. I'm trying to do it to my kids now. And my mum's, hard, right? you know, she, she knows every single doorman's name in London. Mm-hmm. You know, the cabbies, the, all those guys, like they're, they're like her best friends. And um, she's always instilled in us that, 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 you know, everybody at some point is in service. So, you know, man is maketh man. As we look back over the history books, you, you again, it's something that you posted on your Instagram um, was you, you shared um, an image of Queen Victoria. And I thought she was quite a remarkable woman in as much as, I mean, we've talked about your grandmother, your late grandmother, who who reigned longer than any other monarch in history. But actually, Queen Victoria, um, she came to the throne as an 18-year-old, I mean, I'm going to say girl, because you are still a girl at 18 in my book. What an extraordinary set of circumstances to find yourself in as you literally dip your toe into adulthood. Totally. I think, I don't know how she would have done it. Um, Queen Victoria in our family is upheld as one of the most incredible sort of role models because of what what she did, like when she started at 18 and how she um, went through her entire life as as queen and she lost her husband. And we know so much about her in our family because... My mum writes books and has, you know, loves Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. Um, and uh, she did a film about her as well. Um, she did, didn't she? Yeah. What was it called? The Young Victoria. Um, yeah. and so, it was like, really good. It was really good, yeah. She knows her onions, um, your mum, when it comes to royal history, doesn't she? She really does yeah. her homework. No, she's great. She, she, knows, she knows a lot. But, I mean, it's, it's you know, she was a, a remarkable, remarkable woman and a remarkable monarch. And in a time when you know, the world was massively changing, like the Industrial Revolution and, um, mm. you know, they Prince Albert did the, um, oh God, what's it called? The Great Exhibition. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was such a huge changing part of England like, right then. Um, changing yeah. landscape, changing the way that buildings were erected. I mean, so much of what they did as a couple sits around us to this day. Um, and it's extraordinary, isn't it? Because, you know, when you look back over the history books, predominantly women have always been subservient. In, I'm not talking about in your family, I'm just talking about you know in the world in general. And in many parts of the world, that is very much still the case. But actually, when you look at your family line, it's extraordinary women leading the way. Um, queen Victoria, um, your, your grandmother, her mother, the queen mother, was never intended to be queen. This is somebody that had to pivot very quickly as a young married woman after her brother-in-law abdicated and suddenly finds herself in the middle of the Second World War, refusing to leave as London is blitzed, trying to restore faith and um, belief in the need for a family like the royal family to lead us through those incredibly difficult times. I mean, extraordinary women. Yeah, and I think also in our our family, um, you know, when there is a leader, whether it's a male or a female, you've got the other side, the consort, you know, the, the doing a hell of a lot, you know, in their world to make things amazing. And I think that's what, you know, the support system around each monarch that's gone, you know, in history before has, 
has a support system. And I think you can mm. see that today and you can see that um, now with, with my family and with with generations past and my grandfather yeah. and, 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 and the like, you know, it's it's a it's very much, you know, they the, the support system around them as well. It's the partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we move away from the remarkable women in your world, um, I also wanted to touch on the fact that you've got an aunt and a cousin who are both Olympians. I mean, yeah, in any family that would be quite extraordinary, but in yours that's like, oh, another feather in the incredible cap. Yeah, I remember going to the Olympics to watch to watch Zara and all all the cousins. We all went and we were all sitting in the stands. Oh my gosh, I, it, it was it's it's quite surreal. In fact, incredibly surreal. Um, even for the royal family, it's yeah, got to be I mean, surreal, right? It's she's she was incredible. I mean, I would have had such bad nerves. I probably wouldn't have done it. I mean, I don't know how to do it anyway. But you know, they are those athletes and Zara and and and, and you know, aunt, my aunt as well. They, as an Olympian or as a as a a sports person, I guess you are at the top of your field in every sense. You can't really, you know, you can't really not be when you're playing for your country or, or you know it's incredible and it's entirely results driven right you either win or lose you come first second or third it's it's you know the metrics are applicable to everybody it doesn't matter what your background and who you are totally um yeah no it was a it was a wonderful thing watching zed in the in the in the olympics it really was also by the way the olympics was the coolest thing ever in london <laughs> mm. wasn't it just? it was just amazing Again, like your grandmother just completely mic dropped everybody didn't she <laughs> Always. That's just, you know, that's just the way it went. The bond. Did you know about the Bond moment or were you as, as surprised as us? Nobody knew. Nobody. That was also that's what crazy. was so incredible was that it was all totally, nobody knew. It was amazing. We were all surprised. <laughs> oh, I bet that was fantastic when you all got together the next time after that. And you go, hang on a minute, you told no one? <laughs> yeah. I know. Well continued success with the women uh that uh that you are a off are from by way of family lines but also the women that you choose to surround yourself with and and surround your young sons with i think it's really important i agree i i know that's definitely something i want to to instill in them is that the the, the their women around them are are as important as mummy <laughs> yeah exactly although right now no one's going to be more important than mummy. No, no. Hold on to that while, while they still make eye contact and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's all right. It lasts for a while. You've got, you've got years yet. You've got years. Okay, good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you ready for your next question? Okay, go for it. People must often be rather nervous or anxious or slightly starstruck by the thought of meeting you. Uh, but you confessed on Floodlight, your podcast, that you too are not immune to those feelings yourself. And whilst you're interviewing Dame Emma Thompson, you told her that you were really nervous about the thought of interviewing her and the reverence and the admiration that you extend to your guests, be it, you know, Theresa May or the KC that you interview, uh, that you work alongside, who, who tries all of the modern day slavery cases, would suggest that sometimes you too um, are not immune to feeling slightly tongue-tied or starstruck or keen to impress. So I want, who are the people that have got you in all kinds of tangles when it comes to talking to them? That's, um, I mean, nearly everybody. I get so excited. There was a film. Do you remember this film called The Truth About Cats and Dogs? Uma Thurman was in it and then there was this yeah. guy in it and I can't remember his name but I saw him in a pizza place in London and I was just like whoa I'd seen the film when I was young like every week and I was I ran up to him and I was like oh my god I'm such a big fan oh my god oh my god and I totally fangirled out and he was like oh thank you so much <laughs> um and and the same goes oh have you seen that tv show called sister sister do you remember that tv show no that was um it's an American show yeah, it was on Nickelodeon and it was yeah. like, it was that and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Keenan and Kel yeah. and they were our favourite TV shows. And I met one of the sister's sisters the other night, Tia. Oh my gosh, I got so excited. Did you? Did you ask for a selfie? I was just like, oh my God. And I took a picture of it and sent it to my sister and was like, it was every 90s child's dream in front of me. So then, but they're, they're the two that have just sprung to mind because... I obviously behaved like an idiot the other night, but anyway, I um, yeah, I do get I do get starstruck. Um, also, I think it's just more about like respect and and mm. like in my job, you know, I work with incredible artists. Even with them, I'm like, wow, you are so cool. Look at what you've just created, and can I just get to know you? And you know, tell me everything about how you did that piece of art. You know, it's I I'm I'm very. I think that's just who I am. I, I kind of, you know, I'm... Is that how your friendship with Tracy Emin came about when you met her while you were working over in New York? Did you meet her through work? Yeah, I met her... Th I know, I met her through some friends, actually, in England. And then we both moved to New York at the same time. Huh. And um, she became Auntie Tracy uh, because we would hang out in New York as English people, not knowing anyone. And 
I think when I first met her, yeah, I mean, I was, I, 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 like I'd read her in history books. I'd got, I'd, I'd done history of art at school and I'd seen, you know, everything that she did in 1997 in her, in the, um, sensation that that um amazing exhibition that created the ybas the young british artists and and so when you see someone in a history book and then you see them in real life it's like what what it's just weird not them as a person but you see their art and then you you learn them it's just yeah but you do realize that most people will feel like that about you so that you are also in the history books well it's interesting you say that because i just don't I don't for some reason my brain just doesn't see it like that I I just I love movies I love theatre I love books I love art I love all that kind of like I don't know if you could play play heads up I don't know if you've ever played heads up yeah 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 you put the name of somebody in your head and you have to guess who they are exactly yeah and like who you are yeah yeah and there's like a millennials or there's like a pop culture section or there's like a friend section like I'm always the one to like test it out because I, I feel like I, I watch all this stuff. I know what's going on, you know? Yeah. You're a 90s fiend, aren't you? I can tell from your Instagram feed. Yeah. I feel, I feel, do you know what? I feel like I am, but only now am I looking back 30 years ago and I'm like, yeah, I really am a 90s child. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. That's the, yeah. the era in which you were raised. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like having Auntie Tracy as a friend in New York? What would an afternoon out with Auntie Tracy look like, I wonder? Uh, um <laughs> um at most of the time it would be going to her her apartment and having dinner or chatting about her art or um we we go we go out and have brunch in New York she's such a lovely person um and just really kind and and like wants to wants to wants to get to know people and and you know i mean it's it's she's a remarkable human as well I think these women that we're talking about are kind of incredible I keep saying remarkable in this podcast but you know really some special people out there that I, I'm so lucky to have known um yeah yeah that, I mean when I, when when I read that you two had become friends as kind of like you know English women in New York I just had to, I don't know, I was like, oh, I wonder what that looks like. What do those conversations look like? But of course, they're going to be entrenched in art, right? Because that's that's the shared passion for you both. Yeah, art, she, art or um, friends, family, you know, we, we, we would, we would just, I mean, I haven't seen her for quite a while now, but um, we would just hang out really and, 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 mem- and go down memory lane. So your time in New York. Was that like having a holiday from yourself in so many ways in as much as you're in a different place where not everybody's going to know who you are and there was almost a taste of, you know, a regular life? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the the motivation for me to be in New York was was, was that, was to, mm. to see how I'd get on not, um, not being me, I guess. Um, yeah. And... And actually it was the most, it was the most like freeing and, and, and New York is, New York is like that anyway, you know, it's, it's a place for people just to, you know, to, to be free and to, um, where dreams come true, you know, is the New York big city lights and everything. And I think when I went there, it was definitely a motivation was to, was to just to feel that for a minute. Um, and also just to test myself in terms of, you know my work and my work ethic and who I am and what I want 
and what I want to do. You know, I wanted to be in the art world and New York is the center of it. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think for me, it was, it was such a special, incredible time looking back on it. I, n I never wanted to leave really, but I think that's the, the joy of New York is that you, you always leave on a high and then, you know, you go back and visit, but, but actually leaving, leaving on a high is, is the better thing to do so that you have that love and, and appreciation for this wonderful city. You love your work that you can tell just by the way you talk about it. It's obviously been um, a big part of your adult life. Yeah, I, I have to say art is such an incredible thing. It, 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 you know, it brings people together. It offers conversation. It starts conversation. It, 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 it you know, what, even what it does in terms of us, in terms of, for survivors of trafficking and how just the outlet of doing art or going to see an art show or taking part in something collectively, you know, when it, it's, it's, it's got a, an amazing, incredible ability to heal. And um, I think what we're seeing now as well in the art world is, is a lot of healing with, you know, what's been going on and, and an outlet for people to have a voice. Um, and, and, you know, some of these artists have, have really gone through the ringer and to be able to share with the world a bit of their story is, is, is the best. I love it. It's, it's, it's also just going to an art gallery. I don't know, walk around the Tate for a second and look at a show and, and, and you've got things on the wall that someone did in, you know, the 1940s when war was breaking out and they've got this painting on the wall that's you know, in relation to that. And you think to yourself, how did they, this is, this was someone's existence. It's kind of incredible. Mm. You can see it's what makes your, your blood pump. Yeah. <laughs> it's a proper Definitely passion. Definitely something I work hard on. It yeah. doesn't well, come congratulations on finding, on finding a position that makes you want to get out of bed every day. Um, a, a job that makes you okay with leaving your babies. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's a sign of success, I think, in any professional. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you ready for your third and final question? I'm ready. I wanted to dive in to your Instagram, if that's okay, because I love your Instagram. You have 1.8 million followers and the moments that you've chosen to share on there are so beautifully telling. Um, and they're also the, ha the snapshots, I guess, that you were happy to let the world look in on. Um, so I wondered if we could just scroll through your grid and you could give me some of the context and the stories that sit behind some of the, the moments that you've chosen to share. And I wanted to kick off with, let me just say, probably the best wedding video ever. <laughs> Sitting proudly at the top of your grid. What a day your wedding day was. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was it was insane. It was it was amazing. I'm just looking at my grid now. I put, pulled it up. Yes, I've, yeah, you've got it. You've got it in front I've of you. Got it now in front of me. I know that video. Oh, my videographer Andrew Gemmel. I he oh he texts me a week before. I normally so I do my own Instagram and I find it the most stressful thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, I get so nervous. Before I post, I have to text about five people, ask them if it's okay, have I got spelling mistakes, am I going to get trolled? Um, and with that, really? my Andrew rang me the week before and was like, do you want me to put together a video for you? And I was like, yes, I don't want to have to look at, like, I don't want to, ah, I don't know what to do. And, 
you know, we, we, he put it together with, for me and, and, and I posted it and it just, it's made me so happy looking at that again. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, it's joyous. If anybody watches that and doesn't show their teeth by way of a huge smile, then, then they probably need to go and find some time with a doctor. <laughs> it's just joyous. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the song, that's our, that was our first dance. Um, you, you've got the love. And it's because when we were first started dating, so Jack and I have been together 13 years, he, we used to sing, you've got the love, not you've got the love. Anyway, <laughs> nobody knows that. That's a real big nugget. You've got the love. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. But I love the fact that you got somebody to make you a wedding video, even though your wedding was on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. The bat bits, you know, the bits when you're getting ready and all those stuff you want to remember. Those gorgeous moments. There's also, if we just scroll further down your feed, there's, and I think it is, it's a little bit way down, but there's a picture of you and it's a really candid shot. It's black and white and it's you and your husband on your wedding day, just tenderly kissing one another, having a quiet moment in the back of what looks like a glass carriage. Yeah, yeah, I've got that up now. How lovely is that? I know. I've got my eyes open, which is quite funny. <laughs> was it everything you wanted it to be your wedding day oh it was it was amazing yeah I mean I Jack is is the greatest human um and yeah we just love each other we've been together so long and it was just such a special moment and and yeah I loved I loved every second of it every second you can really tell <laughs> it shows Gosh, is it a bit sickening, all our videos and pictures we're putting up on Instagram? No, no it's not. I think it's wonderful and it's humanising and it's celebratory of, listen, to make a success of any family in this day and age, no matter where you're from and who you are, is that's winning. And you two look like you're really winning. He's, he's really one of the best people on the planet. So... Do you have any, have you ever shared an image, I couldn't find one, of the holiday on which you met in Verbier? No, gosh, I don't think I have a picture of that. Um, I feel like that was before iPhones existed, but no, it was... Um, it probably was. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was 20, 2011, 2011. Um, I mean, we're probably talking Nokia, right? Yeah, I think so, like Snake, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I <laughs> don't... Snake. I don't have any pictures of that. I would love to post a picture of that, but we we would have been I would have been twenty one and you know, hilarious and um, yeah. But we did we met skiing. It was the best day, best week ever, I guess, because I met Jack. And here he is, all these years later, father know, of your right? children. <laughs> yeah, shoulder to shoulder. It's beautiful. Um, when you launched your Instagram account, were you nervous? And what made you want to do it in the first place? Um, so I think, yes, I was very nervous. I'm not, I think you, as, as I said earlier, like, um, I have to ask so many people about spelling mistakes. Cause I think I once, I once, I wrote like your, Y-O-U-R rather than Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, you know, yeah. like in friends when they're like, Y-O-U-R is spelled R, you know, you know how Ross from friends, yeah. I don't know, I'm big friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ross from um, friends, I love that. Another 90s reference. <laughs> And did you have loads of Karens pile on and go, that's not how you say it, the grammar yeah. police? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I had lots of people go, that's not how you say it. And it, I freaked out and it was just something so insignificant as that. But um, ever since then, I've kind of been really particular about 
um, you know, my spelling, but also I never, I don't want to, um, I want to be respectful to the family I come from, um, and the fact that I'm, I, ha I have a job as well as do my charity work. And so I've got to find a really good balance. And I also don't want to, you know, over, over post my children or my family life or anything like that. So I, I'm constantly finding a balance. Um, and it is really thought out, um, in terms of, should I do this? Should I not? Is that right? Is that not? I want, I want people to know, to know me because I think there's been so much misinformation and, um, it's so easy to judge something when you read it in the paper, or if you see a picture, like a terrifying, ugly photo of us coming out of a bar or, you know, the, the action shots that some people get, you know, we're not, it's not the nicest photos. And I have people come up to me sometimes and say, oh, you're much better looking in real life. And you're like, oh, <laughs> is that a compliment? I don't know. Um, yeah, this, we all get that. Oh, you're much thinner in real life. Like, yeah. oh, really, what do I look like on television? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Yeah. So I, I, I do get nervous, but I want, um, I wanted people to see the real me and to like, know that that I have a sense of humor and that really I love do. you know I don't know I take the I take the mick out of stupid outfits we used to wear and okay well let's know. go to some of those right because your your fondness for a throwback I love and your witty captions you are a very funny woman um and the joke is always on you and I love that but Clearly, your mum had a lot to answer for when it came to dressing you and your sister in. Yeah, I big mean, th there were some really quite funny, matchy, matchy outfits that oh, you... I found the best one. The on. the the one the one where I'm in a lime green suit and bit yeah. in a purple suit. Oh my god! And the yeah. shoe. You look like you're in some sort of Nickelodeon show. Oh, it's just awful! It's just awful. We but so <laughs> I I now look about that and laugh. And I I showed my friend the other day, and she was like. What has a 10-year-old got on her handbag? What is in your handbag? Because I think it was like a hanky and a mint or something because my mum never let us go to church without a hanky and a mint because we always often feel sick or we'd always have a runny nose or something like that. So, so that, that was, was you were going to church dressed like that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I thought you were like out-out. You've even got a, a no. casual heel. I know. No, it's, it's, it's awful. But you're right. <laughs> I... I I, I am proud of, of the looks, you know, now I can look back and laugh and, you know, it's all part of life, isn't it? I mean, we, we, Beatrice and I, like many of our cousins have grown up, you know, in these really awkward phase, like that 10 year old to 13 year old phase where everything's going a bit awry. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of, of my incredibly strange outfit looks from the past and probably my ones now. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You look great. Trust me. I've clicked on many of your posts going, and where's that dress from? Where's that one from? Um, I think you're more than nailing it. And your sister uh, in, the star, in the style stakes. Um, can I move to the, the third but last photograph that you posted, um, which is of you and your grandmother. Uh, it's a previously unseen photograph of the Queen, one year um, after her death. So, and, and in remembrance, you just put um, as a caption, thinking of you today, missing you so much, but remembering what a life of service, love and dedication to everyone and to your family um, who loved you so very much, forever grateful and always in my heart. 
I can't imagine that those captions are easy to write. No, gosh, that one and the one I wrote when she died um, were, I mean, yeah, it was two of the, the they, they aren't easy to write, obviously. And we, me and my sister wrote the one, co-wrote the one together that I posted last year. And that was, we were both crying when we wrote that. But they're also just like lovely memories. Like whenever I look at that picture now and I read that quote or what I wrote, it was like, it just brings me back to her and who she is and and like the and the love I have for her and it's it just fills your heart and warms it so it's the same goes for like I'm looking now and there's a picture of my sister and I for her birthday and I just say happy birthday to my big sissy but like she is my big sissy you know <laughs> so um it's 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 really true what I what I say but without trying to be too much you know it's never too much but you share such beautiful detail um, that 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 works as as great colour and insight into the life that you've lived that we haven't always been privy to, and 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 quite right too. You're more than entitled to have a life away from prying eyes. But for example, when you wrote about you, when you, you talk about the caption that you you drafted with your sister, um, you talk about um, picking heather and raspberries yeah. with your grandmother. Yeah. Um, Thank you for making us laugh, you say, for including us, um, for marching soldiers, for our teas, our comfort, our joy, for our loving hand, for your loving hand on our backs, leading us through this world. I mean, you write so beautifully, Eugenie, you really do. Oh, thank you. I mean, I mean, I meant, I meant, I mean every word and all of those are our memories that Beatrice and I, when we were writing it, started laughing about and enjoying and remembering and and then I would you know I'll cut it to make it uh, fit for public consumption because not everybody I don't want everybody to know every single thing but they can they can have a hopefully everyone sees the grandmother that she was and and she was she was everybody's I, I I felt like she was everybody's family and then and then you remember that she's actually yours as well and you're like oh wow um and then it means even and both more is true you, right yeah. both is true <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, but yeah, well, it was it was very poignantly and thoughtfully done. Um, I wanted then to move to Mother's Day because for uh, the last couple of years, your Mother's Day posts have been, you know, double pronged in as much as you're acknowledging yourself as a mother as well as as your own mother. And there's a lovely picture of you as a I mean tiny baby with your very glamorous mum. Um, and she's wearing this kind of, it looks really 80s. Um, do you know the one I mean? The pink jacket. Oh, yeah, this pink, the pink and white. And then there's you as a mother yourself. And it's extraordinary, isn't it, how we start to view our parents differently. And so I think certainly, I can only speak as, as a mother myself, but I now look back at all, everything my mum did and went through and experienced. And it reframes your relationship and your history, doesn't it? How was that the case for you with your own mum and your relationship with being somebody's mum? Yeah, I think everyone said that to me before I had children that, oh my God, it will totally change your relationship with your mum. You'll have so much more respect and understanding and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, actually, it did, like, it didn't really. I, I have so much respect and admiration for my mum that, I, I never, I, I obviously, I I kind of apologised to her for being an idiot when I was, you know, two and a half and eat, charging headfirst downstairs or eating dirt off the floor or having to change my nappies or 
constantly hold you know I, I obviously all that is um is something new and you realize what your mum did for you but I think um it's brought us it has brought us much much more into a whole different realm of conversation because now not only am I ringing her for advice about stuff I'm also ringing and saying um oh what do I do about this Augie's doing this or Ernie's doing that and and it's a whole nother it's a whole other aspect of our relationship, which is like, oh, did I do that? Yeah, he did that all the time. I remember this. I remember that. You know, it's, it's, everything's a phase, you know, that I def definitely didn't realize as well. She was mm. like, no, no, everything's yeah. a phase. They'll grow out of it. This is, you know, so I think all of a sudden you have an, ex an encyclopedia, a walking encyclopedia who can help mm. you, you know, and obviously she does it in her way. I do it in mine, but it's 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 so nice to know that you're not the only one out there and that I went through it too or you know what I mean like mums I think we, they suffer in silence and you're not meant to say how difficult it is to do x or y or you know you're meant to love every second of it and if you don't you know people might frown upon it or not 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 sort of or judge you for it but actually I think mums to come together and be able to say like oh I really don't like this part of mothering or oh, I find this bit really difficult or I can't watch Fireman Sam again. I I really do not love Peppa Pig. Yeah, or something like that. that Anything stuff. like that. It's just like it's yeah. so nice. Like I never really heard that before. I had kids, and now I've had them. It's like I've got this amazing group of friends who've all got kids the same age, and half of them agree with me on you know feeding time. Feeding time is just awful. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> it never goes well. It's the, it's the witching hour. It's straight after dinner, before bath time as well. That's always when they go absolutely la la. And that's that's when you're at your most fried. They're at their most fractious. Yeah, I remember that. Also, I don't know about you, but when I leave them for a couple of hours, time goes really quickly. Mm -hmm. But if I think about them when I'm when I'm not with them, I think th that time for them must go so slowly because, mm. you know, I, I it, like nap time is my favorite time because they go to sleep obviously and it's quiet in the house for two hours or whatever. And in those two hours, like I clock watch, you know, I get my stuff done. I get so much done in two hours. But if I'm out and I'm having lunch or something, those two hours go in about three seconds. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Um, how's, um, how's your mum in comparison as a grandmother versus being your mother? Because for my, for my mind, my mum was quite straight growing up. And the moment she became a grandmother, all bets were off. You know, it's like, what do you mean they can't have that? Of course they can have that. I mean, just total overload of love and indulgence. Well, I, I, um, my mum is, I think she's quite consistent actually with us and with the, with our boys, my boys now and Beatrice's um, uh, children. Um, but I know when I go to granny's house that it's, or Gigi's house, we call her Gigi, that she, um, that, that, um, what's it called, um, that sugar is always on the table and that um, <laughs> toys are always on the table and madness is always on the table. And I think they really need that. Like at our house, you know, when you, you it's routine and you get stuck into it and there's no cookies at 5 p.m. or whatever. And in their house, it's like, woo, let's just kind of go mad. And yeah. I think you children need that. Otherwise it would be, I don't know, they would they need that sort of existence. I Mum and I always had growing up we had table manners a and table manners z or z 
And, you know, she could say, she would say to him, Amanda's dead now. And like, we'd all put our feet on the table. Obviously we didn't do that, but you know, we'd eat yeah. chips with our hands or whatever and ketchup coming out of our ears. And then table manners A was, you know, don't get anything on your pretty white dress and eat with a knife and fork. And I think because there were those boundaries in place, me and my sister could really bounce within them. And yeah. I, I felt the same with the boys and stuff. Like, you know, Augie the other day, he threw a, um, uh, like a stick of an ice lolly um, into the middle of the room because he'd finished. And I was like, no, no pick it up and put it in the bin and he didn't want to but I know he likes putting things in the bin so I was like no no come on and I I started this fight and I thought oh god now it's gonna take forever and it took about 20 minutes but he put it in the bin eventually because I explained it to him and but it's just one of those things that like if he knows my boundaries are like no no just put your things in the bin don't throw it at people then they're they can behave like they want in a weird yeah. way you know just live within the boundaries yeah I think you're in the tough years because you've really got to you've really got to just keep reinstating the same messages over and over again but it does pay dividends in the end because they do ultimately listen and look yeah. you guys worked out brilliantly so you know, yeah there's, there's got to be something in it um how was it um breaking the news to your eldest that there was a youngest on the way because there's that's another beautiful shot that you shared on Instagram the fact that you were about to become parents for the second time I think um weirdly or not weirdly but because your tummy just grows and grows individ like gradually not individually gradually I don't think he really it wasn't like a obviously it's not a drastic change overnight it's slowly and surely your tummy gets bigger and then by the end, you know, I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't bend over. I couldn't put his shoes on, all this kind of stuff. And so he sees mummy changing. Um, and then when little baby Ernie came, he, um, I think Augie, you know, he, like any new thing, I think for me, my brain took a tailspin and the same goes for, the same goes for li the, my little son. You know, he was like, what is this new thing? Um, and actually now, like the other day, where were we? I think it was to his little cousin, Sienna. He goes, um, that's my baby brother. And I was so proud. I was just like, oh my God, he, he's like introducing him. And like, he just came back, you know, oh. And I was just, yeah, proud, proud as punch. Eugenie, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for shining a light on a cause that otherwise sits way too far on anybody's radar it's really important and if you're a fan of white wine question time that means that you're a fan of great storytelling which means that you're going to love the work that eugenie and julia do in telling really important stories so please do whatever you do hit that follow button hit subscribe and see what i mean oh thank you for having me you've been an absolute joy and a pleasure i've enjoyed every minute every moment every exchange thank you oh thank you so much my enormous thanks to Her Royal Highness Princess Eugenie. You can hear more about her incredible work with the Anti-Slavery Collective by listening to her podcast Floodlight wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about modern day slavery and how you can become part of the solution, visit www.theantislaverycollective.org. 
And if you're in the mood for more thought-provoking conversation, why not head over to our back catalogue where you'll find almost 300 episodes featuring the likes of Hannah Waddingham, Alistair Campbell, Luke Evans, Chris Packham, Dame Prue Leith, Sir Tony Robinson, Tom Kerridge, Richard and Judy, Emma Barnett and so many more. I'll be back on your feeds on Tuesday with another special episode as we mark Menopause Awareness Month. Until then, thanks so much for your company. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.